welcome to the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. Here we will have a collection of sermons, conversations, and other inspirational material to help you grow in your walk with God. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church. Brian, can I get a little help up here with the mics, please? It's great to be here, guys. Uh, the, the worship, they, they sound so good. Every single week. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a joy. And then um, uh, the, the house is full. It's just uh, it's getting fuller and fuller. Great to see people uh, just coming back. I'm grateful. I want to say thank you. Uh, it really is. Um, it's one of those things as a shepherd. I look at it and I think to myself, uh, the church that I love, the church that I care so much about, uh, what is the pandemic going to do to it? And, and, you know, there's a lot of people forecasting all sorts of stuff and, and predicting what the church will do and, and how people are just not, they're just not going to want to re-engage and that the comfort of the world is going to consume them and that a new form of Christianity will come around, one that involves a television and a bed. And, and, and we put forward like, yeah, last week, that's, that's not what we want. We want safety. We, and if you're not able to come, that's fine for now. We want you to stay safe. But what we ask is that you place it in your objectives, your lists of when, when God is going to lead you back. And, and be able to be with the body. Christianity has always been communal. It's always been communal. And it's when it deviates from that, I think we start to make some pretty serious mistakes. All right. With that said, I got something I need to share with you. Just want to be honest. Uh, and I can't get this my thing down. I'll just put it to the side. I am so nervous. I am so nervous. I, I've been preaching for over like, over like 20 years. And I, I can't remember a time I've been this nervous. Um, and, and you're going to find out why here in a second. Um, but, it's, but I'm genuinely, I felt a little lightheaded going, maybe I need to change my mind on what I'm about to do. I'm not going to. I'm not going to change my mind. I'm committed. I am committed. I do think I'm going to loosen my tie a bit, though. So we're going to get to that here in a second. But uh, I've, I've been very, I, I, I share that with you because you're my family and you're going to love me, and uh, I may have to delete the recording later. <laughs> the title of my sermon, the title of my sermon is Directions. It's Directions. And um, I, I hope that as we go through the progression of the lesson, that we'll see, you, we'll see why it's named that and why we need it. So, um, so this month is Black History Month. And, and I'm, I've been, uh, for the last year, just been able to really do some evaluation, do some just looking at my own life and asking myself, you know, what is, what is, where do I stand on this issue of race? Um, I took a, a, a class in my, master's, in my master's program at Boston College, and in the, in the, in the, in the class, there was, there was a need to determine um, whether you were a racist, whether you, were, you, were, you, were, you had racism in you. And I thought, I'm Indian. 
that's, that doesn't, that, I just don't go there. And then I thought to myself, what is it? What is, what is race? What is racism? And I spent the last year, I'm not going to go into some of my findings. Uh, we'll, we'll share that over time. But it's been, it's been a trip. It's been, I, it's been just mind-blowing at certain points and heartbreaking at others. And, and when we came to February and talked, going to talk about Black History Month, I wanted to talk about what, what has the African-American community given to the church? What is it that we, as a, as a congregation, can learn? And so I was, I was looking, I was searching, and it's been so much. There's so much. But the thing that hit me, and probably hit me the hardest, were the African-American spirituals that were given to us during, during the time of slavery. I want to read to you from the Library of Congress, and I want to define it for us. It says, a spiritual is a type of religious folk song that is most closely associated with enslavement of African people in in the American South. The songs proliferated in the last few decades of the 18th century leading up to the abolishment of legalized slavery in the 1860s. The African-American spirituals also um, constitutes one of the largest and most significant forms of American folk song. In Africa... Music had been central to people's lives. And I, I hope you guys saw that in our nas- last International Day, just how important music was. And, and I, I've, been, I've been watching, I've been learning, and, and it was central to their life. And it says, it says, music making permeated important life events and daily activities. However, the white colonists of North America were alarmed by and frowned upon the slaves' African-infused way of worship because they considered it to be idolatrous and wild. As a result, the gatherings were often banned and had to be conducted in a clandestine manner. The African population in the American colonies had initially been introduced to Christianity in the 17th century. Uptake of the religion was relatively slow at first, but the slave population was fascinated by biblical stories containing parallels to their own lives and created spirituals and songs that retold narratives about the Bible. Biblical figures like Daniel and Moses. As Africanized Christianity took hold of the slave population, spiritual served as a way to express the community's new faith as well as as its sorrows and hopes. Now, this is what I'd ask of us because I'm so nervous. (laughs) I'd ask that you please pay attention. I know that for some of us, we hear the word race and we want to tune out. Please don't. Please don't. We want to, we don't want to politicize this. We want to understand it for the impact it's had on our history. Can I get an amen from our church? Amen. Let's do this. Let's do it together. So each week, we're going to look at a particular spiritual. And so this week, we are going to look at Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. So, so what we're going to do, I want to give you a little background. I want to give you a little background. You guys are so mean. So it says, so we're going to look at Swing Low, Sweet Chariot this week. And we're going to look at kind of what it means. And now, as I was looking at the history of it, there were so many histories. There were three solid 
historical lines for this song, and each of them were stated as fact. And I'm sitting there looking at them going, I don't know which one is true and which one's not. But I want to share with you the one that drew my heart. And, uh, and so it may be legend, and don't be, don't be like throwing stuff at me going, hey, look at this website, look at this website. Look at don't, 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 don't do that. I know there's a lot, all right? So work with me on this. A Swing Low Sweet Chariot, it's a, it, it's a, it's a song that was, that was tied into, uh, that was tied into the Underground Railroad. So what is the Underground Railroad? It, it was a band of mighty and brave men and women, white and black, formed what we know as the Underground Railroad. It was a series of homes and locations that would hide slaves until they reached the north. Getting on the railroad was kept a secret, and only key people in a certain area would be informed of where the railroad started. And the preacher would give that information to the congregation via a code in the form of songs, spirituals. Swing low, sweet chariot is one of them. It's a call and response. It's a common element uh, from, the, uh, from the African tradition. And the preacher would sing and give directions to the congregation. Oh, my knees are knocking. Within the song, there were directions, and I want to try to give them to you today. So we're going to sing this song. It's a call and response. And, and this is what was really elegant about this tradition. The quality of, this, of the preacher's voice did not matter. What mattered, and you got to understand this, and I want you to place yourself there, and I think the Lord has put me here so that you... Stop recording, Daniel Sharma. But, but, but God has put me here because he wants you to be in the place of, of a slave, listening for a message, listening for the code, listening for the possibility of freedom. And not wanting to miss it. <clears throat> Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming forth to carry me home. I looked over Cana, and what did I see? Coming forth to carry me home. A band of angels coming for me. Coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming forth to carry me home. Swing low, sweet chariot. Coming forth to carry me home. So, 
from the song, where is the Underground Railroad starting? Cana. Where is Cana? Chicopee. Do you know the address? 159 Grove Street. It's Cana Restaurant. And, and so, but, but that was something that, that this audience would know. It was something that we would know. And we would know that if, if, if we could get there, if we could get ourselves there, if we could get ourselves and our families there, we would have a chance at being free. This is what they were listening for. This was what they wanted. They wanted freedom more than anything else. They wanted to be able to be liberated. They understood the pressure, the, just the, the, the incredible inhumanity that came with slavery here in America. Yes. And they wanted freedom from it. Yes. In the same way, in the same way, I believe as, as human beings walking this world, living this life, Many of us are enslaved. And we may not be enslaved in the ways that, 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 they, that they were back there, but I believe we are enslaved. We're enslaved to anger. We're enslaved to drugs. We're enslaved to drinking. We need that next glass of wine. It's the only thing that makes us feel better. We're slaves to it. We're slaves to complaining. We're slaves to marijuana. We're slaves. We're slaves. And the problem, and I think the difference between us and them is they're listening to the song. They want the direction because they know what they are. And they want to be liberated. We have grown comfortable with what we are. I'm, I'm just an angry man. That's who I am. I'm, not, I'm never going to change. I'm just a gossip. I, I like to talk. I like to be informed. We excuse our behavior. We excuse our enslavement. And we listen to no songs. And when people who love us come and confront us, we make them wish they hadn't. We shame them. We throw their sin back at them. What do we have to learn as a church from the spirituals? My first point today is we need a song. We need a song to give us direction how to get free. We need a song that takes us from here to there. We need a song to take us from hopelessness I have watched, I have watched the pandemic, I have watched the world seep into our lives. Bitterness at people we, we haven't talked to in years. And it's not the bitterness that bothers me, it's the acceptance of the bitterness. It's okay to be bitter, I'm just going to be angry at everybody. What? When did that become okay as a Christian? You can be bitter, but don't call yourself that. You're making Christ look bad. We need a song. All of us need a song. We need to see we are enslaved. 
and we need to find that railroad. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 8. And so in John chapter 8, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now this is the problem, brothers and sisters. There's a lot of people who are proclaiming truth. There are a lot of websites that will tell you what's right or wrong. And there are a lot of songs that can be listened to. And our human tendency is to listen to the song we like. When my children get in the car with me, they have a song list. They call it Dad's Song List. Because their songs I can't listen to. I'm like, what is this song? It's bugging me. Can we change it? What do you want to listen to? Something from the 80s. Anything from the 80s. And so they don't even ask me anymore. When they're in the car with dad, they, they, put their, they, they have a special song list. You can ask each of them. Dad's favorites. And they just, they, they just start playing. Oh, I thought you were going to start playing something from the 80s, Joseph. And so they, they play something from the 80s. And why is it? Because they know that I have favorites and that I'm going to go listen to my favorites. It's the same for us. We have songs. We have preachers, we have teachers, we have truths that we want to hold on to above everything else. And what I would say to you, what Jesus says to you is, he is the ultimate song. He is the ultimate preacher. And it is him that we listen to. In this day and age, our feelings are so powerful. Our feelings tell us what's right and wrong. The problem is it changes. I look back at myself at the age of 25, and I think to myself, I was feeling a lot back then. I'm so glad I didn't listen to that. I'm so glad I didn't listen to that. One of the things, one of the things that I've always thought about was a tattoo. Yeah, a tattoo, right? A tattoo. So you're like, a tattoo. but the problem with a tattoo is it's permanent. It's permanent. Once you get a tattoo, it's so it costs you $100 to get a tattoo like this big. It costs you $3,000. Well, is, it, is that it, Neil? $2,000? A lot to get rid of that tattoo. And I'm, and I'm like, I heard that, and I'm like, uh, I will be very, very slow to get my tattoo. And I, and I heard about this group of, of men and women in, in Southeast, uh, these islanders, and they would, their entire bodies were tattooed, but they were not allowed to get a tattoo until they were like 40-something. And the reason was, at that age, they knew who they were. They were pretty sure in who they were as people. And so they weren't going to sit there and look at, you know, something on their arm or their leg and, and go, what, what, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Our emotions can be these truths. And our emotions go up and down. It keeps the tattoo industry in, in, in check. It keeps them profitable. Jesus is saying, please, your emotions are good, and they may be true in a moment, but I am the truth. I am the life. Come, follow me. 
And I'm like, wow, I, I want to do that. I want a song. I have a song in my life. I want it to be Jesus' song because I want the directions to freedom. I want directions that will set me to the, set me to the saints, that will, that will take me where I need to go. And so there is a message within Scripture. Did you know that? There's a message to the railroad. I wanted to share it with you today. Turn your Bibles to Romans 10. We're going to do this quickly. But I want to share with you just what, what is God's plan for salvation for us in Romans chapter 10. And a lot of people believe, hey, we just need to do one thing. We just need to say a prayer and we're good. We need to do this or do that. And what I would share with them is if you read the entire Bible in, in, its, in its fullness, you'll learn that, that, that becoming a Christian is much more like a cake than it is like, like just a single, single meal, like, a, like fried eggs. It is much more like a cake. It has multiple ingredients, and it leads us somewhere. The Bible takes us through a process that guides us. And, and here's the first part of the process in Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, it says... No, I'm sorry, verse 16. It says, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17, it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And so the first thing that we have to see in, in, our, in, our, in, the, in God's plan for us as, as men and women in, in going to the railroad is he wants us to hear the message. He wants us to, to grasp the message. When you hear God's word with an open heart, what begins to happen to you? Faith. Somebody said it. Faith. Faith is an important ingredient in all of this. Now... Uh, faith, faith is substantial at so many levels, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to necessarily go into, into what exactly it is. Well, why don't we? Turn to Hebrews 11. Let's do it. I've got a little bit of time. We've got a lot to do today. We've got a baptism coming up. I'm super excited about it, so we want to get there, but I, want, I do want this to be understood. Faith is important. It says in verse, it says in verse 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Verse 1, the Bible says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. That's faith. And what, what the Bible says is when you hear God's word, you develop faith. You start to develop a faith. And this isn't for somebody just that's new. This is for all of us. All of us who have declared Jesus, like, Jesus Lord. I sit down with so many people and they're like, Saj, I'm an atheist. I'm, you're just not going to get me anywhere. I'm like, just, could you just try reading the word? Just try. And if it does nothing for you, it's fine. But try reading it. Maybe try doing it a little and watch what happens. And I have seen time after time after time them come back the following week going, this is incredible. This book is incredible. I, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, and I gained my own opinions about what they said about it. But when I actually read it for myself, what? This is amazing. The Bible says that you will develop this faith in something that you hope for, something that you perhaps do not even see right now. 
And this is an important element. So you hear God's word. You believe God's word. And then I think this belief, and belief isn't an intellectual cognitive thing. It's much more. In, 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 in the Hebrew tradition, when you believe something, you are compelled to act upon it. It's not enough to know it. It must compel you to go do something. And so that's when I ask myself whether I have living faith or dead faith. Living faith is that faith that's, that's referenced here. It's a faith that makes me want to do something. Do I believe that the poor need to be served? I think all of us, bar none, would say, yes, we should serve the poor. I would say very few of us, though, have living faith in that truth. And the, and the way we know it is by the way we act on our, in our daily lives. I have to evaluate myself. I'm like, oh, man, Sajin, you're dead here. You got dead faith. I had, I had Kathy call me up the other day. She goes, Saj, I know you're busy, but you need to do this. I'm like, thank you, Kathy. Thank you. We all need it. And this is true for us. This is true for us. But when we hear God's word, we have faith, and his faith leads us somewhere. It leads us to act. Turn to Luke, um, Luke chapter 13. Actually, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. This is... We'll do both, all, both of them here. In Acts chapter 2. So in Acts chapter 2, the first sermon is preached. And as the first sermon is preached, the, the men and women who are listening, so they hear God's word, they believe God's word, they believe that Jesus was the Messiah, he was the Lord. And it says, it says, we'll pick up the sermon at the very end. It says, therefore let all Israel, chapter 2, verse 36, in the book of Acts, it says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Then the Bible says, when the people heard this, when they heard this, they had faith. Their faith led them to do something, which was to ask a question. It says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What's the Bible say here? It says you, that when you have that faith, you want to change, when you, you want to grow. You, you don't want to be angry. You don't want to settle for bitterness. You, wanna, you, you seek peace. You seek hope. You seek something more. And you act upon it. And that next step is repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is not the, 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 the removal of a particular behavior. It's the undoing of a particular behavior. So I'll give you an example. If you lie... What would repentance look like? No, it would be going back to the person you lied to and telling them the truth. Yeah. So it's not just telling the truth moving forward. It's going back. How comfortable is that? How? I'm like, no, 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 thank you. I don't need that humiliation. You remember when I told you this? Total lie. So sorry wasn't even close to the truth. And they're feeling as awkward for you as you're feeling saying it. But that's what the Bible is saying. You go and undo what you have done to the best of your ability. Imagine if we lived this way. Imagine if this is what we did. Would the church, would it, would it not shine so bright to the rest of the world? I think it would. I think, I think as individuals we would. It would be amazing repentance 
Repentance is this beautiful thing. You know what repentance does for you? It frees you up. Because yeah. when you sin, in James 5 it says, if, if, if you've sinned, you know, confess to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The implication there is that your sin, whatever, sin, whatever that sin may be, hurt your soul. And that when you confess it and then you pray, there's healing that comes. And so what repentance does is it provides a liberation to our, to our lives. We're able just not to be enslaved by it. Because when you tell a lie, guess what you have to do to live that lie? You have to remember it. And that can get complicated. You have, to, you have to enforce it. You have to navigate your life around. You have to change yourself to it. Wow. But if you just get it out there, it's a moment of humiliation perhaps. It's a moment of sobriety is what I think it is. You're sober to who you are and what you're doing. And then you're liberated. You're free. You're free. And I go back to that preacher preaching to his people. And what are they listening for? They're listening for the song. They're listening for the word. Where can I take myself, my family, those I love? Where can I take them so that they'll be free? I pray you are listening to the words of Christ in the same way. What do I need to do to be liberated? Where in this do I need to go? Perhaps I have no faith. I need to go get faith. Perhaps I'm not listening to the word. I put it on, but I go do something else, or I tune out. Or if you're like me, you daydream. I'm a big daydreamer. I fast. I'm, I'm, I, I imagine myself in all sorts of circumstances. Most of them involve ninjas type stuff. That's where I go. That's where I live. I have to stop. I have to center myself. And I have to listen. I have to Maybe for you it's repentance. Maybe you're hiding some sin. And you don't want anyone to know. Maybe it's your finances and you have, they're a train wreck. You've been overspending. Maybe you've been yelling at the kids and you tell the kids to make sure you don't tell anybody. Well, I'm not sure what it is for you. But these are the words. These are his words. And when I started to live them out, I found my way to freedom. I found myself getting to where I needed to be. And then finally, it says in Acts chapter 2, you repent and you are baptized. We're going to see that here in a few minutes. You're going to be, you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin. What is baptism? Baptism has evolved into, for, for American churches, it has evolved into a ceremony. A ceremony where you proclaim your faith. Yay! And then, and, yeah, I guess it is. But biblically, it's so much more. Did you know that? Biblically, it's so much more. Turn to Romans. A lot of people, you know, in, in, in different countries, I've been a missionary in different countries, and in different countries, they, had, they opposed this message, this song, at different levels. Some, like when I was in India, they, they had no problem with baptism. Uh, they, had, they, had, uh, they had no problem even with faith. Uh, per se. They'll, they'll put their faith. What they didn't want to do was repent. That was where, what, where they wanted. I'm a good person. If you knew me, you'd know I'm good. I have some flaws. But I'm a good person. And, and they, they would not embrace repentance. Here in America, baptism seems to be the battleground. And I, I'm not looking to fight anyone on that. But what I do want you to see and perhaps 
think about and ponder for yourself if you have not been baptized in, in this way is to ask yourself, what does the Bible say about it? Because the Bible actually has a lot to say about it. It's not, an, it's not a ceremony. It's not an outward sign of an inward faith alone. It's so much more. In Romans chapter 6, it says, what, in verse 1, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know? Now listen to this. Or don't you know? So this is the Roman church. The Roman church is going, Hey, if every time we sin, God's grace increases, and God's glory increases every time his grace increases, that means when we sin, we make God look better. That's what they were saying. And Paul's like, he's like, oh, why do I have to have this conversation? He says, it says, we are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from, we too may have a new life. What's it say here? When, when you are baptized, you are ba you're baptized into the water, into his death. What happened when Jesus was buried? What supernatural event occurred when Jesus was buried? He was resurrected. He was brought to back to life. A dead body was given life again. His soul came back. And then it's saying that when you participate in baptism, it's just like that. It's not the outward sign of an ear. It's not just a ceremony. It's, not, it's so much more. It's so much more. It's you dying. And in the water, in the water, That, that same power that happened in the grave happens to you. That's why we're so excited today. Yeah. If you're visiting with us, why are we, so, why, why are we screaming when someone's going to get baptized? That seems so weird. Right. No, it's not if you know what we believe about it, what the scriptures say. We believe that we're about to witness something super, something awesome. Now, we're not weird about it. We're not like, we're not going it, it, to, we're looking to see a miracle happened in someone's life. Because we know in this moment that they're regenerated. Now, let me say this. What if someone was to be baptized and they had not, they didn't have faith? Just a bath. If I could do that, I'd be running around with the baseball bat just baptizing people. Like if I'm regenerating people, I'm like, you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. Oh, why not? But if they don't have faith, if they don't believe, it's, it's meaningless. What if they believe, but they perhaps are hiding sin? Or they haven't, they haven't, they haven't necessarily confessed it? Yeah, it's, it's that baptism. Hmm. There's so much. This, this moment is not just baptism. It's, it's, it's the process that God, it's a railroad God has given us. And we're listening to the song. We're going from house to house being hidden, God taking care of us, God guiding us till we are free. My first point was we each need a song. My next two points are really quick. <laughs> Swing low is my second point. Swing low, sweet chariot. Swing low 
was, was the intent of that was for 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 the 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 northern railroad for the people to come down to free them for 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 the free people to come down to the enslaved people and to free them swing low come down south swing low and what we see in christianity is not a god who stands in heaven and tells people what to do tells them where to go we see a god who swung low, who came down, and he, he came to us. In Matthew, the Bible says Jesus was, was, uh, was uh, crucified, and his last words, in verse 45, it says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Son of God swung low. He came to us. His sweet chariot. In 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, the Bible says, verse 9, it says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possessions, that you may declare the praises of him who called for light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. What is the Bible saying we become? We become priests, a royal, na a holy nation. Uh, we become God's special possession. You have a new identity, and and in the in the song, "Sweet Chariot," was was the people that would come down to liberate the slaves. They were the chariots. It was they were the saints that the songs referencing. And in 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 this, for us, we are those chariots. We are the men and women that are called to go into the world to serve the poor, to declare the message, and to help people see the path to freedom. Man, you'll be able to say this. I was once an angry woman. You'll be able to say this. And now I'm free. Do I still struggle with it? Sure. But now I'm free. I have been set free. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus out, sends out 12 of his disciples. In Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 of his disciples. And then in Matthew 28, he says to the, to the church, go into the nations. Go into the nations. Teach them. We are, we are the chariot. So as we close out, as we close out, the service here, I want to call us as a church to ask, what directions are we listening to? If we're online, what directions are we listening to? For a long time, I spent, I, I spent time on social media. Social media has a message for you. It has a song for you. And it's not, it's not the best song. It's a song that, that takes you to places and spaces that perhaps does not benefit you. Who are, the, who, are the, who are the preachers you are listening to? Who are the songs that you 
place deep into your heart or allow your children to experience in their lives? What are they? As a church today, let's make, let's make, a, let's make a decision. We are going to listen for God's song. We're going to listen to the preacher Jesus sing to us. And we're going to li- we are going to try to follow his words, understanding that we too are slaves, slaves to sin, and that we too have a way forward. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ podcast. To learn more about us, visit our website at www.pioneervalleycoc.org.